Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to the official OCPHA podcast where we interview our pharmacy professionals about their journey into their specialized fields. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Judy Alyagi, on her role and how she got into this world of pharmacy. So thank you again for being on the show, Judy. How are you doing today? Hi, Tony. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. And it's Friday. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So my current role right now is a uh, director of API and assistant professor at American University of Health Sciences Pharmacy School. Uh, we are one of the 14 pharmacy schools, so newest school in um, California. Having said that, UC Irvine is opening up with their um, pharmacy program as well. So they will be the 15th pharmacy school. So just to tell you a little bit background about my pharmacy profession, I graduated from USC pharmacy program. Prior to that, I went to UCLA. So Bruins (laughs) and Trojans, even though they're the rivals, but um, I graduated from USC School of Pharmacy many years ago. I'll just leave it at that. And then while I was in pharmacy school, I did internship and I was interning at the uh, LA County USC Hospital inpatient throughout. So then I thought for sure that inpatient was where I was going to be headed towards ap- upon graduating. But that didn't happen because my last year of pharmacy school, CVS decided to expand their roles and they were opening up stores left and right in the West Coast. So I had the uh, regional recruiters who were trying to recruit graduating class students for an opportunity to work for their company. So I took on their summer internship program where they fly you out to the East Coast and take you to their corporate and learn about their leadership and about the company, how things work. And they pretty much treated you really well. So then I thought, hmm, if they can treat grad students this way, how much greater it will be as an employee. So I took on the uh, position as an interim manager for CVS after graduating USC. To say the least, it didn't last long. So I ended up working for them for about six months. And I had an opportunity that opened up with Kaiser Permanente. So then I moved to, I was relocated to San Diego County. That's where I started the MPM and outpatient pharmacist role with Kaiser Permanente. Having been in that role for a couple of years, I transferred to South Bay location. That's my hometown. So um, then that's where I was exposed to ambulatory care setting as well as outpatient. And then I was uh, working very closely with the drug education coordinator as a liaison to do the initiatives and various sort of like a pilot type of project. And after doing that for about seven, eight years, I had an opportunity where I was able to work as a clinical data consultant, again, within Kaiser Permanente. So I moved into the uh, regional corporate office where I was basically working to review, analyze um, clinical data, do QAs and develop affordability initiatives for diabetes and working very closely with the drug use management department as well as the drug information. And then, you know, 
the thing with Kaiser, overall within Kaiser, I ended up working for 13 years of, of my healthcare profession. Having said that, I felt, I always felt like that's not where I could picture myself retiring from. And that's one thing that I want to convey to listeners today that I think whenever you are comfortable doing what you are doing, that's an indication, at least that's my philosophy, that that's an indication that you need to look elsewhere to further challenge yourself and get yourself out of the comfort zone. So after being a clinical data consultant and uh, pharmacy project manager for about five years, I am in my current role as an assistant professor and director of API for pharmacy school. And during that transition, I've also started getting involved with pharmacogenomics as a consultant. And here I am. Wow, that's a lot of experience. That's a lot of extensive experience. And um, <laughs> you said that you, you also do pharmacogenomics now as a consultant jobs. And I guess I, I was curious about like, what from your experience had helped you kind of uh, give you the experience to be that consultant role? I think my current role, I don't know if this will answer, but my current role as a consultant for pharmacogenomics aligns very much closely within the education sector. So I'm currently involved with a few groups of researchers on pharmacogenomics at the moment. And having been where I have in the past on my career path, having to work closely with different healthcare professions, whether they're senior executive leadership team or the uh, physicians group, nurses, care management team, and group of different pharmacists, you have to know how to work collaboratively. And I think my experiences helped me to shape that and also to be flexible in terms of meeting goals and really patient-focused outcome, patient-centric outcome. And that's what pharmacogenomics is. There's another reason why I have passion for pharmacogenomics. This is something that I highly encourage everyone to sort of tap into. And I believe right now is the right time to do it. You know, pharmacogenomics is often um, called uh, precision medicine. And the reason for that is because it takes away trial and error for patients. Okay. And, you know, having said that, I'm an advocate of patient safety. So how is pharmacogenomics related to patient safety? Number of ways, really. So understanding and individualizing your therapeutic regimen that's specifically tailored to your gene genetic makeup and knowing how you will likely to respond to a particular drug. It means obviously takes away try and error. And um, that's how the term precision medicine was coined. As I mentioned, one of my uh, previous experiences is with the MTM and the pharmacogenomics targets what MTM pharmacists do or how this came about. So it targets to improve the medication adherence and it looks at medication appropriateness and medication adverse effects. So pharmacogenomics really empowers what MTM pharmacists do. In addition to that, as a result of all those, it improves patient quality of life, patient satisfaction, overall patient health, and it also decreases the cost of outpatient visits. 
And one of the big things is that's being measured is the reduction of emergency department visits, so readmission rates. So really, pharmacogenomics empowers not only what NTM and care pharmacists do, or actually pharmacists in all various different settings, but it really, at the end of the day, really, it's a patient-centric focus, and this tool is available. So that's one of the reasons why I think is a good time for those who are in pharmacy program, as well as those who are getting ready to graduate or thinking about career changes to really tap into this world of pharmacogenomics. And I'm not selling myself or advertising, but um, I'm one of the trainers to certify trainers to train other pharmacists to provide certification in pharmacogenomics. So um, reach out to me if you know, if you need someone to talk to as a starting point, and I might be able to share my personal experiences. Awesome, awesome. So going back into your role at the school, right? At school as um, mm-hmm. experiential, uh, what kind of things are you doing there? Like what's kind of your day-to-day, like, in addition to your pharmacogenomics role as a consultant, what is your kind of day-to-day at the school? So currently, I'm very busy um, as we are preparing for the accreditation. That's a big component. And so preparing lots of documents, and it requires a lot of reading. Lifelong learner, being an educator, you basically go home with a ton of reading materials, a lot of things to research on, and also to learn from what other institutions are doing ultimately, so that you could educate next leaders of the pharmacy profession. But going back to your questions as some of my responsibilities that involve, um, as a director position, I'm in charge of the APPI portion of the experiential education program. So the position will participate in the day-to-day activities related to APPI program, including supporting students, preceptors, and sites. So my role is responsible for leadership in the experiential education program, specific um, responsibilities such as being a member of the dean's executive committee, as well as six other committees I'm involved in, which is our academic progression, professionalism. When I was going to school, IPE was unheard of, but this is like one of the big things, team-based approach uh, into professional education that ACPE is looking at for at each school of pharmacy programs. And that's the really the direction that we are all headed towards, um, working together, collaborating, communicating, respecting one another. So as a chair of that committee, so that's one of my big passions too. And obviously, I would have to recruit and maintain experiential sites, which has been a very challenging part of my role as there are so many schools out here with only a limited number of sites and preceptors. I kind of have to be very innovative and creative in a way to make sure that we have captured a sufficient number of quality sites for our students when they're practice ready. So then some other things are to oversee the experiential programs, such as I mentioned earlier, capacity, student schedule, evaluation of students and preceptors and sites. So there's a lot of engagement with students and preceptors as well. And one of the big things that I, that was a 
big learning curve for me going from a corporate world into academia was basically, I'm not going to lie, I, I've been putting in 50 plus hours a week, and but none of that really feels like a job or something I have to do, but it's something I want to do. So having to, I thought I was pretty good at time management um, and prioritizing, but this has been a uh, learning curve for me where I need to know when to stop one thing and move on to the next and be able to kind of juggle between different priorities. And, you know, as with other, you know, things get thrown at you at the very last minute too. So there are a lot of meetings that I have to be part of. So that's that. But it's been a very um, stimulating environment. You know, every day is, you know, there's learning moments. I learn from through mentorship with other faculty members here and their experiences. So it's been a, I can't complain. It's been, it's been great. And at the end of the day, I figure this is my investment. This is my gain that no one else can take away from me. You you seem to be really enjoying you know your role as at the school and also as a consultant and you know a lot of people out there they may want to kind of navigate their way into a role similar to that or maybe even that role. So uh, what do you have to say to people who ask you for advice about getting into academia or even getting into a consultant role in pharmacogenomics? Okay, well I'm glad you asked that. So if there's anything to take away for the listeners from today's talk, I would say it's the key. And that's what I tell myself, keep for keep educating yourself. So by that, I don't mean to get another degree, go to school or credentials next to your name or certificate. I mean that by being a lifelong learner, read books and start networking, um, be proactive and active on LinkedIn, you know, platforms like that. And talk to people who are expertise in their in their fields and what have they accomplished or what how did they get there what have they done and what tips they may have and always one thing that uh, just I can't remember the exact quote but something that I got from Steve Jobs is that surround yourself with those who are better than you to learn from so you know in my role my previous role as a clinical data analyst I had to learn a bit of coding mainly SQL, which I was not familiar nor comfortable doing. But um, having working with computer programmers, and by the way, their brain is designed differently than pharmacists. It was a different culture altogether, but I really learned a lot from them. And so you have to be open-minded and receptive and just know and accept that there are always going to be people better than you. You just need to accept that. And um, for me, that that really sort of uh, affected my confidence level in the beginning. But it wasn't until I realized that I have different talents that no one else does. And I just need to accept myself for who I am. Uh, I'm not perfect. There's nobody perfect. And But there's always a learning moment or takeaways from everyone. And just how people are willing to share their knowledge uh, wealth of knowledge with you has been tremendous support and asset from engaging with people. So I say, ask yourself, what makes your heart sing? What are you passionate about? Um, and if you already haven't, I hope you pursue to find that soon. And 
that's where I think makes a difference between having a job versus having a career. So don't look for a job, but look for something that where you see yourself doing for many years. So that's, I guess, the message that I want to share with every listeners out there. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that message. Thank you for providing that, that advice. And, you know, if people wanted to further ask you questions just about maybe your journey or even further advice, how is the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, they could always emailing me is the best um, and quickest response you will get from me. And I'll give you my personal email, lmjean at gmail.com. And the lmjean is spelled E-L-I-M-G-E-N-E at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So I'll be putting that in the show notes, but to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast, Judy. And I'm sure our listeners learn a lot from your journey. I hope so. Thank you so much again for having me. All right. If you guys like this episode, please rate us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. And you can find out more about our organization by visiting ocpha.org. Or you can follow us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. But until next time, OCPHA is signing off, reminding you to get determined, get inspired. Get inspired.